0: Hey, good morning, Linworth. How's everyone doing out there? That's what I'm talking about. I uh, want to welcome those of you tuning in online, as well as uh, those of you who are here this morning. It's great to be here with you. Uh, why don't you go ahead and stand? I'm just going to sing a few songs, and uh, as one voice, just lift our voice up to the Lord and praise His name. Bring glory and honor to him. He is worthy of our praise. thank you that in and out of every season Lord you remain the same and your love for us remains the same Lord in times of seasons of of obedience to you Lord And even in seasons of being stagnant and dry. Your love for us does not change. Your love for us does not hinge on what we do or don't do. Man, that's so hard for us to believe sometimes, Lord. Lord, we're just like... The children of Israel who believe there's something in us that can do what it takes to earn your favor, to cause you to love us more. And there's also something in us, Lord, when we fall short of our own standards, Lord, we believe that you love us less That you withdraw yourself from us. But Lord, that's not what you do. You stay. You never leave us. You pursue us more. Lord, we thank you for that. We pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you cause us to believe that those things are true that we as sons and daughters of God would not continue on living in despair that we would not continue on believing things that aren't true Lord so help us
1: in there in life i'm confident and covered by the power of your great love And my debt is pain there's nothing that can say i yeah. yeah.
0: Kids, you can go ahead and go to your classroom.
2: Oh, good morning, Linworth. Hey, welcome. Thank you for... Nick and Summer, Caleb for leading us into Jesus' presence. So good, isn't it? Man, more we remember the gospel and remember how he has saved us and paid our debt, that's what gives us the power to, to love God and to respond to him and to obey him. So what a great way to start this morning. Hey, I want to welcome all of you here and welcome those of you watching online this morning and a special welcome to all of our guests and visitors this morning and want to encourage you to stop by our welcome desk. And We have a, a, a gift bag we'd love to give you with some information and a few gifts from our church, including a CD from actually that last song that Nick just played it is a song that he wrote that is on that uh, CD. So pick that up on your, way, on your way out. And also there is a Connect card in the basket right in front of you. If you would like to get more information from Linworth, fill that card out. You can drop it by the welcome table on your way out, and we'll get that information uh, and respond back to you in that way. So again, welcome, and we're excited that you're here this morning. I have a couple of announcements before we go back into the book of Revelation. And uh, number one, we have a membership class coming up, and I know a lot of you are Uh, new, are uh, just learning to get connected here at Linworth, and this is a terrific class. We have it under our Fully Alive, we have a pathway of discipleship called Fully Alive, Fully Mature and Fully on Mission, and this class is really the first class in that process. It's under our Fully Alive, Uh, and it not only uh, instructs you on how to become a member, but really even more important than that. it gives you information about Linworth, how to get connected here, what about our life trips, what about our ministries, what about our statement of faith, what's our history, what's our DNA. Uh, Pastor Nick and I teach it, I really enjoy teaching this class, and this will, uh, even if you're not considering membership, this is a great class to come and learn more about uh, who we are and about how to get connected here. So again, check out the information on that, that's Sunday night November the 7th, five through eight, and again, both uh, in the online app as well as uh, in the e-letter, there are instructions on how to sign up for that. Okay, secondly, um, we have an equip class coming up. It's gonna be Monday night, November the 8th, from eight to nine. It is a one hour Zoom call, so it does require you to register in advance, and again, consistent with what our emphasis has been this year. This is going to be on helping others cross the line of faith. How does one do that? How does one help their friends who are far from God? How does one help them cross the line of faith in a way that is spirit led and in a way that's not, uh, isn't showing manipulation? How does one do that? Well, Pastor Mike Fahler has a lot of experience in this, and I'm gonna host this one-hour Zoom call, and Mike is gonna share many of the things that he has learned through decades of helping literally hundreds of people cross the line of faith. It is a skill that you and I can grow in, can develop, and become confident in. So plan on joining us. November 8th, it's a one-hour call. I think you'll really benefit from it. And then thirdly, let me have Phil, why don't you come on up. Phil Fell with uh, International Friendships. How about a nice Linworth welcome? Come on Phil. Welcome.
3: Hey, Phil. it's great to be here again. We've j- enjoyed a very long and fruitful relationship with Linworth Road, so it's wonderful to be here in person again after a l- couple year hiatus.
2: Yes, yes. The fourth Sunday, we've been uh, introducing you, sometimes reintroducing our mission partners we have about 13 or 14 mission partners we have a special emphasis on working in what's called the 1040 window which is the most spiritually needy part of our globe and uh, excited that IFI is one of those partners that definitely works in that world so Phil first tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in international ministry
3: yeah well that's a a great question I got involved with international missions because uh, I love Jesus, you know, and I I took the Great Commission seriously. And here you can see a picture of me and my wife. Uh, We also have four kids, not pictured. But my wife is um, one of these people of the world where um, she was born in Holland, in Amsterdam. Um, Little Dutch, blonde hair, blue eye, not exactly, right? Why is that? Well, because after World War II, her Indonesian parents moved to um, Holland and she was born there and then raised in Boston actually and I, I met her in Cleveland but anyway so <laughs> um, so what we notice if you look at the Bible at all that um, God is on the move when people are on the move and it's really important for us to keep aware of that and and i started to see this when I was in school and I started making friends with um, people from China and other places and then when I worked for Xerox Global Services I started hiring people from China and India and Taiwan and places like that. And and then um, I was working at the church just on the other road, Olintangy River Road, Christian Community. And started looking, how can we involve and engage the nations, you know, and that's when I first met IFI. But ultimately, why does, um, why do I do what I do? It's because Uh, I I saw this quote, missions exist because worship doesn't. I think we're going to learn a little bit about worship today. But you see, worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over, and my phone decided to go off, there we go. Um, When this age is over, I just love phones. Anyway, when this age is over, and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, Missions will be no more. Worship, however, therefore, is the fuel and goal of missions because it's gonna go on for eternity. So that's why I got involved with IFI. And since, I, since 2010, I've been working with IFI. In the last three years, I've been the city director, kind of overseeing what we're doing here in Columbus. But in the last 10 years, we've seen over 11,000 students from 140 nations of the world, touched by the work that we're doing some of them touched by people here in this congregation. And, and one thing related to the unreached people groups is that uh, 89% of the students at OSU are from those unreached people groups of the world. And so when you're working with IFI and you're hosting students from the nations, you have an opportunity to um, extend the love of Jesus to someone who may not have heard. And that's why I do what I do. I, I love it, that's it's awesome. fun.
2: Phil, I think one of the questions that people have had is, how has COVID affected uh, IFI?
3: Yeah, that's been a great thing. Um, We've got a lot going on. We've had to uh, re-envision things. Even the entire city shut down red, white, and boom, two years in a row. So we created red, white, and barbecue. Just uh, five or ten people in your backyard with a mask on and just having uh, a great time celebrating something, but, but being together. And so we created a lot of different things. We went bowling with masks on. We went hiking with masks on. We did everything with masks on. We did some Zoom calls with masks on. But the neat thing, it's amazing. But the neat thing is that while that was going on, some of our students that were back home, I know of a couple churches, virtual churches on Zoom that were planted um, during COVID. I know a a guy that went back to a Muslim country, planted his eighth church in a hard to reach Muslim country during COVID, you know, so things have changed a lot. In fact, uh, if you've been to any of our events, you may notice that like 90% of the students there were Chinese. Well, during COVID, the Chinese kind of really disappeared um, and instead uh, we have hundreds and hundreds of Indians and Muslims and, and people from all over the world. in fact, we touched uh, students from over 100 countries since COVID started, you know. So it's, it's pretty amazing the impact and reach that you can have working with international students that are here. It's a great opportunity to just open your home, open your arms and open your life to someone from another part of the world that may never have heard about Jesus.
2: Anything else, Phil, just in terms of what are the ways that members can get involved here? For some, this will be the first time they've heard it. How can they concretely get involved?
3: Well, I tell people if you've got one hour a year or one hour a week or something in between, there's a way for you to get involved with IFI. In fact, coming up on November 17th um, as an opportunity to pray for 15 minutes. Uh, just You can sign up online and say, this is a 15-minute 15 se- 15 segment that I'll sign up, and we got a sheet out on the table out there, too. But you can just go to the ifipartners.org slash pray and sign up and say, I could pray for international students for a few minutes. Another thing you can do is, during Thanksgiving or Christmas, you could host a student. Um, what an amazing way. I, I talk to people all the time. and It's like, well, I'd like to share my faith, but it, it, there doesn't seem to be an opening. I, I don't know how to get from how's the weather and how's the Browns doing to, you know, do you know Jesus? You know, but you know, you host someone from another country in your home for Thanksgiving, the very first thing they're gonna say is, who are we thanking and why are we thanking them? Or you have someone sit down for Christmas um, meal or dinner or just making cookies or decorating your tree or something and they'll say, what's Christmas all about? What, What are you celebrating? Why is it so important? You know, it's like, here's the door. (laughs) <laughs> and, and it's fun, I mean it really is fun and exciting to do that. And, and, so the, and then the third thing was um, virtual or in-person conversation partners. Um, we've, we've matched over 150 people with students, some from around the world. We've had some um, students stuck, uh, like there's one guy stuck in Moscow, he couldn't come. He, he was, he's hoping he can actually come in January. Um, but he's doing a, I don't know how you do a medical degree virtually. Um, anyway, but he is, and, um, he's, he's back in Moscow, but he's signed up with my friend Bruce, um, as a conversation partner and, and, and they talk you know, once or twice a week, you know, and just helping him practice. And so when he comes, he's gonna have a friend who's gonna be here, you know. And so I know people from Turkey and, and um, Moscow and China, Colombia, different places around the world have uh, signed up for a conversation partner, even if they're not here yet. And then there's hundreds that are here that we've signed up as well. So it's really, you know, if you got an hour a week, uh, an hour a year, there's a way for you to help us um, you know, just connect with us, or Angie, or Bob Altman. They can really help you get connected.
2: Yeah, lots of ways to get connected, and you receive that passport uh, brochure on the way in. You get you looks get just like this. Get on the website, and check out some more. Any last thing you want to say, Phil? Just in terms of the, the the what happens internally to you when you serve in this way?
3: I'll try to say it without crying, but you know, Hebrews 11:2 says that. Um, You know, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, because in so doing, some of you have entertained angels. Now, I haven't seen any angels, but you know what, I've, I've experienced the presence of God. I remember this one time I was sitting down and had lunch with this um, Chinese young man, and um, I said, well, hey, we pray before we eat, and I thank God, and I thank God for him, and prayed for success, and prayed a blessing on him. And then I grabbed a hold of this Reuben sandwich that my wife had made, and I took this big bite. And, and my friend was just sitting there, and he's looking at me, and I'm like, Have you never seen a Reuben sandwich? Have you, you know. <laughs> but he looks at me and says, What should we say when we pray to God? And I thought, That's an amazing, great question. As I'm tromping away on my sandwich. <laughs> You know and then the second second thing that went through my mind was and I wish I had an answer for that but wait a minute that's the same question that the disciples asked Jesus and he had a great answer for him and about that time I finally swallowed my mouthful of food and I looked up and I said that's a really astute question it's one of the questions that Jesus's first disciples asked and you know what? I went through the Lord's Prayer and kind of let it through him, and, and later in the year, I mean, he went to our Bible study every week, and later in the year, he prayed to receive Jesus. But that's what happens when you serve God by serving international students. You open your heart and your life for opportunities for the Holy Spirit to just appear in your life and for the vibrancy of your faith to come back alive. And, and you're like sharing with someone who's never heard or, or may have heard wrong things about who God is or who the Trinity is or something like that. And you get a chance to share who Jesus really is and what he means to you. That's what happens when you get involved. That's, so. great. That's great.
2: Phil, thank you, thank you. Phil's gonna be uh, out, there's a table out in the back. He'll be there after the service. Angie, if you could just raise your hand, so Angie Volman over here and Dale Schuller are the church representatives. So after Phil's gone, you can certainly talk to them about their experiences in terms of IFI. How about a nice <clears throat> little thank you? Thanks Phil. It's a nice bridge from that. Um, our speaker this morning is Tom Short, and Tom is also one of our ministry partners here. And he's going to bring our next message in Revelation chapter 4. And um, Tom is a a wonderful partner, a wonderful friend. He's been a member here for many years. Uh, He does a lot of campus work. He's doing doing a lot of work now online. And you can get more information at tomthepreacher.com. So how about
4: a warm welcome for Tom? Awesome. You know, the thing about the IFI people, when I preach and I see international students out there, sometimes I wonder, this will add to your, Phil, this will add, sometimes I wonder how many of those people are gonna go back and become a president of their country, or a king, or or a leader of some sort. Because they don't send the, they, they send their leaders here. They send the people who they want to be leading their nation in the coming generation. So it's a great opportunity. Thanks for sharing with us. We've been talking about Revelation, these churches in Revelation, the last number of weeks, last couple of months. And I want to share that in, as we continue in chapter 4, we find there is another reality that many of us may not realize or we forget about. And that reality is found in Revelation chapter 4 and throughout some of the rest of the book. Let's stand together and I'd like to read Revelation chapter 4. I read from the New American Standard, so... Um, You can follow along if you have one or wherever you'd like. Here we go. You ready? This is the alternate reality. This is the real reality. This is happening as we speak today up there somewhere. All right. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven and the first voice, which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after these things immediately i was in the spirit and behold a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne and he was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance and there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance around the throne were 24 elders and upon the thrones i saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads Out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures, full of eyes, in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion. The second creature like a calf. The third creature had the face like a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night, they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give, give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, and, 24 elders, and the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne, and will worship him who lives forever and ever, and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created father we pray today that as we look into your word this holy scripture the word of God your spirit would teach us inspire us encourage us equip us raise us up to be all that we ought to be as the children of God and worshipers of the most high God we ask it in Jesus name Amen. You may be seated. So there is this other reality, is there not? And in all of our world we live in, and sometimes the trials, the difficulties, the hardships, the confusions, the the, the the problems that go on in life, we never want to forget that there is this other reality, which is one reason we worship. One reason we come to church each week. Do you realize that? I hope you I hope you value that and benefit and are encouraged by this regular reminder, regularly being reminded that our God, that this other reality, our God sits on a throne and the angels worship him and the elders worship him and these creatures with all these eyes and eagles and calves and whatever worship him. And indeed you and I ought to be worshiping as well. But you know, the question is, you know what is worship what is worship we kind of think of it as as only the the period of the of the service where we sing do you ever think of those terms let's call it worship you know we'll, we'll do the worship i'll do the worship today or things like that i'm not against that that's the vernacular that's the way we 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 talk but let's not limit worship to only singing on sunday morning as a group Let's realize worship is so much more than that. Worship should entail our entire lives. The word literally means to kiss the hand. I don't know if you saw the movie or the The, the, the Chosen, if you watched that. And my, my favorite scene in the first two seasons so far was when Nicodemus realized that Jesus was the Son of God. And what was his response? He fell down before him and he kissed his hand. That's worship. That's what the scripture says. Literally, this word worship means to, to kneel and kiss the hand. You know, another, another definition of this, this Greek word is that we bow, we prostrate ourselves. We take a knee, literally, to take a knee before God and to show reverence to God, to show respect to God, to show honor to God by taking a knee before him. He's the only one we bow before, by the way. Don't ever bow before anyone, but we bow to our God. We bow before Him. I like to think of worship as simply a declaration of what's worthwhile. A declaration of worth, a declaration of value. I contend that everybody worships. I say this out on campus to somebody, I don't worship, I don't worship. Well, if you think of worship only as related to God, then yes, there are people who refuse to worship. But I see worship far broader than that. I think true worship is a declaration of worth, of worthiness, of value. And in life, you and I should be worshiping that which is of ultimate value, i.e. God. Now, when I talk about this idea of it's, it's, It's uh, 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 of how we all worship and how we all make this declaration. We should use our words to do it. Can I encourage you when you're here in church and we are singing to God, can I encourage you to sing all your heart? Worship with enthusiasm. Worship with all your heart. It does us so good. I would say in my own personal life, this is one of the things that God, early on in my Christian life, I happened to be around Christians who sang robustly. And I learned myself to sing robustly. My wife sometimes reminds me, Tom, you're not preaching on campus, tone it down just a bit when we're in the home. But to sing from the heart, robustly. You say, "But, but Tom, I don't have a real good voice. I'd rather just listen to people up on stage. Well, sing anyway. Your voice is good enough. God gave you a voice. God wants you to praise Him with your lips. God wants you to praise Him with your words. God wants you to be declaring with your words His value. There's something important about that. To not just keep it within, I think, I don't know, if, 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 when I keep my praise of God, when I keep it within and just keep it in my heart, just keep it personal, I get like spiritually constipated. And that's not good. But when I let it out and I use my words, oh, it feels wonderful. You know what I mean? And I want to encourage you to be a person who expresses your worship to God. Don't don't just say, well, God knows what I'm thinking about. It's not good enough. Express your worship to God. Use words. Bring words to the Lord. Give words of praise. Husbands, do you think your wife is happy if you just say, well, she knows I love her. I don't ever need to tell her. Well, don't treat God the same way. He loves to hear your praise. Do you realize that? God delights to hear you praise him. You say that's egotistical. I don't think so at all, it's just speaking the truth. God wants to hear us speak the truth. God wants us to hear speak reality. God wants to hear our words declaring what's right and true. And as we worship him, and we give him words of declaration, words of praise, words of thanksgiving, words that say, as they did here in Revelation 411, worthy, worthy, worthy. You are worthy, you're holy. You created all things, you are a maker and we give God praise for that. That pleases the Lord, and you know what it does? It's a blessing to you. If you don't know this, if you are not praising God from the heart, with your words, you're missing something vital in what's involved in a victorious, overcoming Christian life. I'd tell you to say it again. You might say, but Tom, I'm a quiet person. I'm not an enthusiastic. I'm not an outgoing. I don't use, I don't, I don't, my words don't come easily. My words, you know, I'm not a verbal type person. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter. God doesn't say in the scripture, I just want the verbal people to praise me. You know, God doesn't say that. God says, praise me with your lips. Offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The more difficult it is, the more wonderful of a sacrifice it is. You know that? David said, I won't offer to God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. The more difficult it is for you to express yourself or get words out or to say things, the more difficult, the more hard it is, the more of a blessing it is to the Almighty. And so practice it, learn it. I encourage people to sing. It's been one of the blessings in my life to worship God. You say, well, when do I sing? How do I sing? I don't have a good voice. i give you a hint, sing in the shower. No one can hear you if you do that, right? I can't hear them when I'm in the shower. Okay, maybe they can hear you, but that's, that's all right. Sing and praise the Lord. Figure out a time, lift your voice up. Sing here in church, but sing on your own. Sing in your car. Turn the radio off sometime and sing some songs. Some of these songs we learn here in church. Praise the Lord with your lips. If you can't sing, say it. But we're worshipers, folks. We're worshipers of God. That's who we are. We worship and declare with our words that the Lord is the Almighty, the King of all the earth. You know, it says, and I mentioned earlier that we use our words, but also the scripture actually, the little word worship means to bow before. I've got a question. When was the last time you kneeled before the Lord in honor of him in recognition of him in praise of him and declared his worthiness it's been been a while I think it's wonderful to stand and praise the Lord but literally this word talks about kneeling before the Lord I'd like us to do that let's right now it's Revelation 4 if you've got Revelation 4 on the screen and let's right now as a congregation Honor the Lord and praise Him. Go ahead. Take a knee right now. Two knees. Bow before the Lord. And let's recite this verse together. Are you ready? You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. That's awesome. Let's do it again. You ready? You are worthy our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Amen. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. Amen. Amen. I think there's more to that. You know, I mentioned everybody worships. Not everybody gets on their knees. Not everybody kisses the hand of the sun. But everybody worships. I like to think of worship in the generic sense. And to do that, I'm going to take it out of religion and show you something about worship here and what it really ought to entail. I think there's three elements of worship. And I'll illustrate this by an experience I had a number of years ago now, some of you younger people, you're going to have to bear with me because this is an old illustration. I'm going to talk about a guy, a basketball player. You maybe have never seen his name's Michael Jordan. <laughs> okay? They were playing the Lakers in a championship game, and Jordan drives down the lane, and he's about to dunk the ball with his right hand, and someone comes up to block him, and in midair! he changes over and does something with his left hand and I think you know put it in might have dunked it now I'm not don't don't judge me for being idolatry here (laughs) but as I sat there I said wow oh my goodness awesome I can't believe what I just saw that's the first aspect of worship I believe to be in awe to use that word. Awesome. There's a second aspect. As I sat there on the couch watching that, well, I probably jumped up by then, who knows. <laughs> Roz, come here, you gotta see this. They're gonna show, the, you won't believe what he just did. Steve, Dan, Tim, you gotta see this. Second aspect, I had to tell somebody. I couldn't keep it to myself. I was in awe of something I'd just seen. I had to tell someone about it. Third aspect of worship. After the game was over, I went out in my backyard, lowered my hoop to about seven feet. <laughs> Can I do it too? That's worship. Let's take it out of the, the, the staleness And realize what worship means is we stand in awe of our God. And we gotta tell somebody. We gotta pray. We can't keep it in. We gotta, awesome, wow, you gotta praise Him. You gotta talk about it. And you know what? You say, be like God? Absolutely. Do you realize in Psalm 135, it tells us the problem with idolatry that those who worship them will become like them? There's a principle here. In life, we become like what we worship. We become like what we worship. You become like whatever in life you think is really valuable, greater than you. You will admire it. You will be in awe of it. You will want to talk about it. And you will want to become like it. When I was a kid, I had, I, I had another basketball idol. This really was an idol. His name was Pete Maravich. You have to remember Pete, still the all-time scoring leader in NCAA. And what was his signature thing? His baggy socks. And I remember, I played basketball then. I didn't wash my socks the whole season. <laughs> my mom, she, I, she just had to put up with it, you know, showed everybody in the locker room. But I was going to be, I, was, I, I idolized him. Right down to, I want to have the baggy socks like him. How, how what? what? How lacking in my own humanity to only look so high as a basketball star when God wants me to look at him. How, how I was aiming so low. Sure he was the best player around, but God wanted me to aim for, at, for God. God wanted me to be a worshiper of God and to lift him up and to, to not just say, boy, i wear socks like, like him or i'll shoot the ball like him or i'll dribble the ball like him but rather i will set my sights on god and i will be like god now that doesn't mean i'm not omnipotent but i'll love the way god loves i'll be good the way god's good i'll be holy and righteous the way god's holy and righteous i'll be kind the way god's kind i'll stand for what's right and true the way god does i'll be like god that's what that's what we're called to be is it not is this not what god is doing in us he made us in his image we blew it we've all sinned and yet now god is recreating renovating us to be in the very image of jesus christ so that we would be reflecting the very character and nature of jesus christ himself worship plays a part in that worship plays a part in that When we see him, when we honor him, we become like him. One day we'll see him as he really is and we will become like him. Well, I wanna mention one thing from Revelation 4.11 that's important. The first thing they did, why did they worship God? In this verse, you tell me, why did they worship God according to this verse? These people who were bowing down, around the throne night and day even today they're they're lifting up his praise they're honoring him why what was it why did it why were they worshiping him he's worth. he's worthy why what why is he worthy he created us he created us he created all things folks we worship the god who created the earth and the heavens the sea and everything in the sea he created everything on the land. He created you, and he created me. In Romans 1, when they fell into idolatry, you know one of the first things they did? It said they did not, that God's, that the existence, that God's known through his creation. And they worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator. And this began this downward spiral into terrible degradation of of their bodies and their spirits and idolatry and then into all kinds of, 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 of horrid terrible behavior in romans chapter one where did it start they did not honor god our creator and they ended up worshiping the creation rather than the creator i try and remember every day that god is my maker i didn't make myself i didn't come from some lower animal I was made in the image of God. So are you. We're made by God. You're not an accident. And you're not just some animal that's a little bit better than other animals or some animal that has a thumb or something like this. You know, I'm told on campus, we're 98% like a chimpanzee. You ever heard that one? You ever heard that one? I hear it every day. Tom, we're 98% like chimpanzees. I ask myself, really? Where's the chimpanzee university? (laughs) <laughs> what, what symphony has a chimpanzee ever written? What rocket ship has a chimpanzee ever flown? What art has a chimp ever drawn? I mean, stop and think about it, folks. You and I are the, we're, we're at another level. Why are we at another level? Because we're made by God, created by God. And when people lost sight of that, as Revelation tells us, but in Romans, when they lost sight of that, they began this downward spiral into idolatry. And I want to talk about idolatry for just a moment. If you'll turn to John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, or if you're on, it's up online, Jesus was witnessing to the woman at the well. And, you know, they, they had the conversation, you know, you know, you give me some water, and well, if you knew what I'd offer, you'd have eternal water and spring forever. You know, it was pretty good witnessing. But I want to get into her when she finally got serious in verse 20, she says this. Our fathers, she realized he was a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in, in this mountain, and you people say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation from the Jews. You ready? Here we go. An hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Does it matter where you are, ultimately? This mountain of Samaria, the temple in Jerusalem, the Mount Moriah Moriah in, in Jerusalem, does it matter? Jesus said that the true worshipers worship in spirit. Why? Because our God is with us always. As a matter of fact, those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we are the temple of God. Can't get any closer than that. You are the temple, I am the temple. We are together the temple of God. And so we don't worship a physical idol. We don't worship a thing that we can see or touch. People always want that. They want something they can make it tangible but we worship in spirit because God is spirit. But we also, and by the way, in our country, we pretty much realize this, there are some countries of the world where literally they have all kinds of idols. And I've been, I've, you know, some of the countries I go to, they're literally, houses are filled with idols and they call them idols. It's not an insult to them. They say, yeah, we worship the idols. And they pray to the idols and they buy and barter and they, they think the idols can, you know, they're th- this idol, they call that. We're not into that mostly in our country, are we? Our idols are more intangible, shall we say. But very important, what, where we idolize is Jesus said, you must worship in truth. How do you know what's true about God? Is it your opinion? I hear people all the time say, Tom, well that's, that's, what, that's your opinion of God, I've got a different opinion. That's your truth. I've got a different truth. That's what you think, but I I don't see God that way. Folks, it's not how I see him versus how someone else sees him. It's not how you see him versus how... It's what has God revealed about himself. We cannot see God. The only way we can know what God is like is what he reveals about himself. It's kind of like if I, if I were to ask you right now, I say this to the students on campus, I say I have a number between my, in my head between one and a 1,000, what's the number? They don't have a clue. They usually say, 666? Um, six, six, six. No, not that one. You know, they might guess, but nobody knows what number's in my mind unless what, I reveal it. And because we do not see God we do not really know what God is like unless he reveals himself there's some things you can know naturally you can see the universe and really you know if God created this He must be big you can see all the information in our world and say you know if God made this he must be pretty smart you see the power in our universe say well if God made all this he must be pretty powerful you can learn things about God just by shall we say intuition or reason or observing the world we live in on the other hand those things about God you will never know unless God reveals it. Where does God reveal himself? In the scriptures. In the scriptures. This is why we must, if you want to be a worshiper, you must be a person of the scripture. You must find what does the Bible say God is like. And we don't want to approach with the attitude, you know, there's some things I kind of like about God in the Bible. But other things I'm not sure I like very much not how we approach the bible we're not God we're not his judge we're not the one to determine do I like him do I like this aspect you know I really like that he loves me <laughs> that's awesome I'm sure I like some of that other stuff no that's not how we approach God that's how a proud person or a self-righteous person or dare I say an idolater who does not worship God in truth would approach God we approach God in humility. God, who you say you are, is who I will receive you to be. And I will worship you and honor you. Sometimes there's aspects of God's character or God's ways or things God does that might seem difficult for us to, God, why are you doing that? Why? Maybe the reason is because God is aware of this whole chapter, God sees this alternate reality. God knows what's going on behind the scenes. God sees things you and I don't see. God knows things you and I don't know. But one thing for sure, he's God, and you and I aren't. We worship him for who he reveals himself to be. One final thing I wanna say about worship today is this. The greatest, worship is a declaration, as I said, a declaration of worth As believers, we declare that our God is God. We declare our God is worthy. We declare that our God is our creator, our sustainer, our savior. God is our refuge. He's our high tower. He's our strength. He's our shield. We declare things about who God is. And and in that declaration, as we verbalize that, as we praise him, we begin to experience that relationship and that aspect of 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 God's character and nature in our lives or in our relationship but there's another verse we really need to look at here and that's found in in romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and he says there therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I like that. I like that. In light of all that God's done for us, in light of the fact that we name the name of Christ, in light of the fact that we say we are believers in Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, what is the greatest declaration of his worth and value that you and I can make. It's important that we declare his praise with our mouth. It's important we declare our praise or his praise in the way, in, 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 to others. But I believe the ultimate is that we declare our praise and, our, and God's worthiness in the way we live our lives. He says, I urge you, offer your very bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. You know, in the scriptures, the Old Testament, they would offer up a lamb or they'd offer up a, a, a sacrifice on the altar. And Paul's saying here, in light of what Jesus Christ has done for us, in light of the gospel message, the greatness of the mercy of God, the gospel message that God would take sinners and make us whole, saved, clean, pure, forgiven, justified, righteous, redeemed, his own, his very own possession. In light of all that God has done for us, the only rational response is that we offer to him our very bodies, our very bodies, and this is how we show This is the 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 rational word this is this is true worship this is the highest forms of worship folks can i tell you something worship doesn't end when we leave here it doesn't worship is a 24 7 thing worship is a declaration with my life my attitudes my words my relationships my choices do you make choices in life that are a declaration of the value and worth of God stop and think about that do you make choices in life that are a declaration for anyone to know that you believe God is of ultimate worth well, of course one thing you're here today that is a choice you made to come here today that's a declaration You got up, welcome to you online folks too. We we know some of you aren't with us today, but you're watching online, but you got up, you got dressed, You made yourself look, you know, got in front of the mirror, (laughs) got here on time. A A lot of people are not here today. A lot of people are not in church today. Why? Because they don't think God's that important. They don't think God's that important. You do, that's why you're here. You've made a choice. And God sees that choice. God knows if God knows if you have a take it or leave it attitude about church, God knows if you have an attitude, well, if it's convenient or if I'm feeling good, I'll be there, or God knows if you say, I've made a commitment because I believe God is important.
3: And I believe God's family
4: is important. And I believe the people of God are important. And I believe it's important for me to come and corporately worship. And so you made a choice to be here today, God sees that, and that's a choice, that's a declaration that God's important. Sometimes we worship with our money. I choose with my money. I I have for many, many years now, since I was a teenager, made declarations with my money that God is important. And God is more important than my money. And I want my money to reflect the importance of God in my life, that he is of ultimate worth. He's not just another, he is the ultimate worth and value. I make choices every day to get into the Word of God, because I say this is God's word, and I'm going to make a choice to say that the Word of God, the Bible, is important to me. The Bible is important to me. There's other things I I read online. I get I get online. I read the news. I do stuff like that. But I make a declaration with my choice. I don't walk around. I don't have to say it. My choice demonstrates my value of God and his word. Do you do that? i bet you do. Let me encourage you to, be, to do some self-examination today with your life to make sure that you're declaring, God is worthy. The choices I make, the words I use, the declaration, might they be a declaration that God is worthy. He's worthy of more than anything else or anyone else because he's God. Jesus, of course, was our ultimate example in this. We worship Jesus for the cross, do we not? Remember right before he went to the cross, what did he say in the Garden of Gethsemane? I think this is maybe, one of the, ulti- maybe the ultimate declaration. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He realizes he's going to have to go die. Oh, Father. If there's any way you can take this cup away from me, please do. And yet, not my will, but thine be done. What was he saying? He was declaring Father, you and your will is more important than me, my comfort, even my life. That's worship. And for that, we praise him. We thank him. He is our model. Amen? Father in heaven, we give you praise and thanks today. We want our lips to declare, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord God. Holy, holy, holy. You are the one who was, who is, and who is to come. You're the one behind all the confusion in our world, all the challenges. Behind it all is this true reality that it's this moment you're being worshipped and praised. I want to thank you Father that even around the world today millions upon millions upon millions in every time zone on this planet are declaring our God is the ultimate God our God reigns our God our creator our savior our sustainer we bless you we worship you Father I pray that you would help us every one of us, Father, to know more and more the joy, the blessing of being a person who worships you robustly, that expresses with our words a declaration of what a great God you are, that expresses with our choices what a great God you are, that expresses with the decisions we make what a great God you are. You're high above. Jesus, your name is above every name. Every knee will bow to you. We did this earlier today. Voluntarily, joyfully, do we bow our knee to you, Lord Jesus. We confess you with our mouth that you are Lord. Voluntarily and with great joy, Jesus, you are Lord. And we confess that. Declare it all to know we thank you and we worship you you seek worshipers father might we worship you in truth might we worship you in truth for who you really are might we delight in the lord teach us to delight in you with all of our heart we bless you now and we thank you jesus amen
0: let's go ahead and stand thank you Tom my hope is built on nothing
1: less than Jesus' blood and righteousness
0: I cannot not trust